Hello, and welcome to another edition of Conspire a Theory Podcast, live from the Crimson Throne of the Yif King, all previously recorded, of course. I have with me two very special guests. Why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? Well, I'm... Okay, well then I'll go first, because Rue always goes first. I'm Rue Chilexico from uh, Salt Lake City. I run a show called For What It's Worth, and I'm also an, an event host, so I do a lot of things within our local community. If there's more or less the question is is whether or not that Rue is planning something, he, he always is planning something, because I mean, I'm a fox, so therefore I must always have to plan something. And this is actually Tug's. Yep, so I'm Tugs Puppy Bear. I'm the other host. I live in Seattle and run the Seattle studio, whereas Rue's in the original Salt Lake studio. I'm just getting settled up here, but I'm enjoying life a lot, and I don't know what to say that's interesting about me. I like long walks on the beach. I don't know. You're also tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah, well, (laughs) and I'm also drinking coffee, so all mistakes are mine. (laughs) All right, and you guys run the show for what it's worth, which is a show that if you guys listen to the furry episodes and fair warning, this show is going to be very furry centric. So if you're tuning in for paranormal stuff, I, we may have some paranormal stuff at the end. And as far as entertainment and other such topical issues, we're going to have plenty of that mixed in the middle as well. I want to go ahead and as I understand, Tugs, you're like the third co-host of For What It's Worth because I went back and I For What It's Worth is one of those shows where it's it's a very rare type of show for me. I put it in the caliber of, like, say, last podcast on the left and Legion of Skanks and stuff like that, where I just get so enamored with it that I just I actually go to the first episode and listen to all of them. So I've listened to, like, every single show. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're like and, and and Tugs, you're like the third person or, or third regular host of this is that correct yeah so i came on in season two rue started the show with his then roommates so there was they and l and just life happened and those two ended up going their own way and i just happened to be in the right place at the right time and rue was like help and uh so i i came on and just just rebooted the whole show so it's really interesting because you've gone back to the beginning then and i'm assuming that you've seen that it was very different before i came on and then um, when I came on, it was a reboot, and we've continued to evolve it ever since, where we just do little experiments, episode styles, or just absurdist humor galore. Yeah, and I like but, it that you guys have that sort of, for what it's worth is, of course, a furry show. You know, it's by furries for furries. And when I listen to other furry shows, not many of them have that entertaining staying power. And I'm not trying to single any of them out, but a lot of them are, I've noticed, are there by IT guys. Off the cuff, IT guys like to talk about IT stuff. And that's for the rest of us that aren't in that field or don't understand what the, the techno babble that they're going on about. It's pretty boring. You guys. Well, are- I just want to say thank you. I, <laughs> I appreciate that, that, um, that we're fresh enough to, to be able to hold a conversation. And the show started way, way back in, let's see, September 10th, 2011. So we, we love our, our show and um, we like to we're passionate about it and so we do what we can to make sure that it's something that we would listen to on our own so I appreciate your oh I can't talk today <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate your feedback as far as the show itself well that's a first <laughs> not being able to talk <laughs> because I gotta admit Rue you're sort of the the staple of the show I mean you're the most recognizable part of the show 
And yes, for the first three episodes, I did think you were a girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I've, I've learned to, to accept my feminine <laughs> voice and just to, to, I use it all the time. You know, I used to do customer service and people would say ma'am all the time. And I'd just be like, well, um, you know, if that's what they want to think, then whatever, you know, this person isn't going to remember me after that. But, but don't worry, I, I didn't masturbate to listening to you or anything like that. <laughs> <clears throat> that didn't happen. The, um, is that why you're keeping me on the show? I'm just kidding. We're going to have something. You're like my booth, babe. <laughs> oh. Pretty much, practically. One of the other things that I like about your show is you, you keep it very community orientated, and you guys, you try very, and it's very hard to do given the climate that we're in right now, but you try very hard to keep politics sort of at the wayside, which is a very admirable task. My own show, if you listen on a past podcast, you know, I'm, whereas most of the free podcasts lean a bit to the left, I lean a bit more to the right, which is, I've learned is a bit of a rarity in the community. But as I get to know more furs, I realize that there are other right-leaning conservative furs. Something else is that you guys try to, you do a very good job of avoiding those landmines. And when you do have to lay it out, you try not to be, go at it in a way in which could come off as d divisive. There you is know, no, that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's really interesting because uh, it, we don't know. In fact, you're, I think you're probably the first person to confirm what we've been trying to do, which we, we do have a no politics rule. We don't, we don't want to do episodes based around politics. We, we almost did once and the guest uh, was that we had lined up didn't end up working out, but more on that in a minute. It's, it's one of those things where we choose to stick to facts because then you're not really in danger of pissing anyone off and because we don't want to piss people off. We just want people to learn. And the best way to learn is simply by presenting facts. So politics also kill that and are more timely. So if you listen to an episode that we did in season three, it's probably still fairly accurate. But if you do an episode based on politics, then it's only relevant for as long as that particular scenario in politics exists. It's kind of like when you watch Family Guy or some show of choice and they make a reference to whatever president at the time and you go, oh, yep, that's an older episode. It kind of stops you. And so we don't we don't want that. And then we also just don't want to piss off the community. We want the community to learn and enjoy what we do. So we stayed on the facts. Yeah, yeah. So that's something else that I adopted in my show is trying to keep. Yeah, because I want my shows to not have an expiration date because I kind of expect people to come into my show the way that I came into your show, where they'll come in, they'll listen to a few episodes, then they'll go into the, the backlog, the archive and decide, oh, let me pick this topic. Let me pick that topic. And I try to keep it topic centric. Now, there is some times where I do have to kind of get into that current event stuff, and that's kind of unavoidable because with the cyclical topics that I discuss, you know, sometimes something relevant does happen, and it is it does open the door to discuss a specific topic because I remember there was a mass shooting a while ago, and I used that for uh, as a sort of a segue to discuss, you know, gun violence and gun control and gun rights and stuff like that, and at the same time sort of use that as a catalyst now since then, with current events right now, I've, I've had to sort of dust off that episode and bring it out every now and then in conversations online via social media. And I'm kind of glad I have that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we, we've tackled different different things. Like, um, for instance, we talked about Nazi furs, right? Not too long ago, Mr. Tugs. Uh, I 
coffee. Coffee, yeah. Well, well, we we deal with different topics, but we definitely make sure that we try to, you know, take a step back and make sure that we're asking questions that um, that are leading it to be unbiased. And I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's within the show title. It's for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. So we're asking questions of the guest itself. It may or may not be something that everybody agrees upon. But the main thing is, is that that is their opinion. And I, I don't want to say that we're an opinion podcast either, but that is their, that's their opinion. Yeah. And, so, and that's, that's another point that I'd like to bring up too, is when you, when there is opinion, like I guess op-eds, you make it very clear that what your opinion is, is just your opinion. And whatever the facts of the matter is, as you said, doing in your research, that that reflects, these are the facts. And, you know, hey, if this is my perspective, this is my perspective. You guys are very clear about that. Um, I have a somewhat small uh, journalistic background in that I wrote for a gaming website in the past. And, and if I ever stated like something like my opinion as fact, I would be raked over the coals. And that kind of, you know, <laughs> early on taught me that it's, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion. You just need to state state it clearly and don't misrepresent it as fact unless you can prove it unless you have the the research and and the sources to back it up one of my co-hosts is in fact pretty much all of my co like i don't have a regular co-host every now and then i'll bring in a friend or or someone will come in and i have one friend who me and ed when we did the bear and the fox episode when it was sort of an introduction to furry he had a lot of research from dr nuka he gives presentations and he gets his facts and figures from Dr. Nuka and his research, you know, because him and Dr. Nuka go back and forth. And I used, you know, most of that just to come up with like a lot of the facts and the figures, pretty much similar to what you guys do on your show. And then I have other shows where we discuss, you know, the more divisive topics. I have another friend who used to be a researcher for um, news outlets. So he has a lot of a lot of researching background. And whenever there's like we, we discuss anything, you know, he'll have the facts and the sources to back it up. So that stuff is very important. It's easy to get lost in a lot of the noise of opinion, too, especially with with the climate of the world as it is right now. Like it was always kind of well, it should have always been important. And it kind of was up until, you know, the historic uh political shift that we're seeing right now and so knowing that a fact is a fact and an opinion is an opinion and that they have different weights is incredibly important that's something that we've tried to be extra careful about especially and i don't think Gru and i've even said it i think it's just kind of inbuilt by the way we work together where we make it very clear to rope off where opinion is and we're factors so that way we're not conflating them as having equal weight yeah that's a very good point that's you know what i noticed and i really want to point out and that's what i really enjoy about the show so you know, I wish you that more media would actually do that. I mean, you know, you see, you see media outlets, and it it just seems like. I mean, I I personally feel that nowadays that media has kind of lost that traditional being unbiased. Instead of just stating the facts and and what's going on, I I, I don't know. I, I I kind of feel like that it's lost through time. But maybe <laughs> I'm wrong about that. Yeah, it definitely has. I remember an old episode of Murphy Brown. Uh, don't, don't look it up kids that where she gave her opinion on air and then her boss took her in and said, you know, your job is just to present the news. You're not paid to have an opinion. Yeah. And, and as far as that, yeah, it kind of, it is what it is and we deal with it as best we can. But as far as dealing with the stuff, let's, let's dig a little bit deeper into the community itself. And as you were alluding to with the Nazi furs, we have plenty of our own drama and and our own stuff to worry about 
you know, aside from what's going on, quote unquote, in the real world. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Furries have their own issues. I mean, just the other day we had somebody that that was painted, a, I mean, that was committed to be, a, you know, a pedophiler and he ended up committing suicide. What? And that was something that happened fairly recently. Yeah, I heard about that and I I don't know if it's hit the newswire yet, but I haven't been able to find at the time of this recording, I haven't been able to find any confirmed information on that. It's just hearsay so far, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure if a confirmed source comes up, I definitely need to see it for myself that the, I believe it was the character R.C. Fox, I can't pronounce his last name, uh, Mitchell Bernero. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't I'm, remember. I'm sorry. I'm probably but- butchering that name, but he was, I believe, found guilty of possession of child pornography and he was going to be sentenced. He was out on bail and somehow I don't know the exact details. That's why I'm still waiting for the information to drop, but he apparently committed suicide. Mm. The news report that I was reading doesn't have any names associated to it, but it, it based the one that was linked states that police found a car that had an individual that was, that was in it. And it, they, they look, that person looked like that they were in, some form of distress. Uh, they ended up opening, opening up the car and trying to, to help the individual. And then they ended up finding out that he was, he was dead and committed suicide through poison in his, in his car. Yeah. What's, what's your source on that? Uh, source. I think it's, I think Boozy actually posted it. Oh. But yeah. again, it's not associated to anybody's name, so therefore there's not really anything that has came out to say yeah, so, this so, is this person. Yeah, so it's kind of unconfirmed at this point, and I just want to make sure that we put that out there. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure digging later we'll we'll find out what the, the incidence is, but as of this point, no one can say for certain. I was just adding that as showing that this, you know, we have our own issues within our furry community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have things that are happening to us all the time and um, and drama that's happening. So, yeah, I mean, this this community, it's it's strange, but it's great at the same time. But we have our own problems. So. Yeah, it's very easy if we all just behave ourselves. But there are those few individuals within the community who just, I guess you could say, blood hits the streets and people know about it or something, you know, that, that paints the fandom in a bad light. It's just something that, that we, you know, as a furry community have to deal with every once in a while. But I do think that Boozy Badger, his perspective, as he said on one of your shows, is straight on the money. That when something bad happens, we put a lot more, more emphasis on it than it probably really deserves. I mean, everyone acting, everyone is pointing and laughing. But we're the ones who are freaking out about it and just won't let it go. Oh yeah, I remember him saying that. Yeah, we do. We tend to we tend to freak out, but I think it's also because it's a little bit more personal to us, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the statistical likelihood in the background of bullying being present in the majority of the fandom. I think it hits home just a little bit harder than it otherwise would. But yeah, we. I think Boozy's dead on. We do need to we need to chill just a little bit. Like <laughs> Rue and I are running the show, right? And I recently was getting a Nexus card, which for those of you who don't know, it's a card that lets you basically hop the Canadian border or the US border coming back within thirty seconds on average, rather than waiting in line with all the other cars for an hour. And I was doing this interview and the US side was fine because you have to be interviewed for the card. And then the Canadian side, they grilled me about everything including the show. 
<laughs> so like it's at that point where it was like okay i need to be chill about this and I'd, I'd, i've had to do the elevator speech working with the with the guests we've had on the show the a-listers like you have to learn to just chill out about it and realize that people don't really give a fuck most of the time most of the time they're just like whatever it's your thing who cares mm-hmm. I, why were you asked why were they asking you about the show they wanted to make sure that I was not going to employ people in Canada without the proper corporate structure or that I wasn't going to go work in Canada without a visa. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they wanted you to keep your yiff to yourself. Kind of. <laughs> well, and I mean, I, I, I've seen, they actually, <laughs> funny enough, um, at that same border crossing, they used to have one of those uh, border patrol reality shows. I can't remember the name, but there was a furry artist going to Vancouver that got stopped on that show and they were searching him for porn. So I'm wondering if there's a little bit of like, are you going to hold pornography across the border? No, the internet's already done that, but. Thanks. <laughs> you know, but going back to that that topic, I, I sometimes feel like that. Just my personal opinion, I have to state that is that sometimes in certain situations we are too nice. Um, yeah. You know, there's things that are happening, and there's an individual that's been convicted of something, and um, we allow them to run rampant within the furry community. And I understand at the same time on the flip, the other flip side of the coin, who is it for me to be that person to, to call that out or to take that stance? And what is it? Is it, is it my responsibility to do that? A lot of people can think that, but I, I do believe that sometimes the fandom is a little bit nice, too nice to where we allow bad eggs to continue to exist within the fandom. I think that that kind of, you know, spoils it a little bit, you know, a yeah, couple I, bad apples spoils the bunch. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like we have that open door policy and the door is a little bit too wide open that just mm-hmm. anyone can come in. And unfortunately I know a few unsavory individuals, some who are like, you know, exist in my state who, who are like regular troublemakers. And then every now and then they just reinvent themselves. Like, and that's, I guess one of the, one of the drawbacks of personas is sometimes you don't know who's behind it. And oftentimes we'll see these people come back two, three times and say, I'm a changed person. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a saber toothed tiger this time or, or I'm a penguin this time, you know, so it's totally cool and different. It's like, no, you're this, you're still the same troublemaker, you know, cause we had, we've had people in our local groups that we've had to give the boot and they've pretty much, you know, three strikes and you're out and they're gone. And we, 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 kick them out of the groups, out of the social media groups. And then they're back in. And by then, you know, there's like, we, we have a lot of turnover because there's a lot of young people that come and go and, and a lot. So then, then, then they're coming in, they say, Oh, I'm being persecuted. You know, I, and then the young people who don't know all the drama in the history rally behind them. And, mm-hmm. and it just, it creates big old clusterfuck that we have to deal with again and again and again. And oftentimes, you know, we've gotten to the point in our community that, you know, we're not afraid to be the bad guy and say, hey, these are the rules. This individual broke the rules. This is why we're doing it. You may not have been here to see it personally, but, you know, you have to take our word for it. And we're the adults and, you know, we run the forums and stuff. So that's just how it is. And because of that, you know, there's like maybe five or six San Antonio furry groups, which is, you know, which is kind of funny. Yeah, no, that happens all the time. And it's just, I wish that there was a way that, um, I mean, our, our door, like we were saying, the door is so wide open. I just wish that there was a way to shut the door and lock it sometimes <laughs> to, to certain individuals. It, yeah. just, it would just be so much better. Yeah, and, I hear um, you. But then again, it's like, who's going to be that 
authority figure that's going to make those decisions, you know, then that individual is going to be persecuted for being, being the mean person that's not letting Miss Rosie go play with people. So I don't, I don't know. Anyways, there's, there's a workaround for that though, which is, so I've been in the fandom forever. It feels like, uh, which I did a lot of my growing up in and stuff. But the thing about it that I've learned is that people who are bad elements that are genuinely toxic people, they will always have supporters because there's always someone who doesn't know or have the experience or the perspective to say, oh, maybe not. But those people, the toxic people will generally sort themselves out. Like a bad apple will make itself known and you don't really have to do anything. But I found the best thing you can do is lead by example. So if you don't, don't go around saying, Hey, this person's shitty. If you're doing shitty things, then you're just a shitty. But if you're like, Hey, I'm trying to be a generally good person. You don't have to say it like that. You just do it by example. And then this toxic person comes along and you're like, I would, I'm not going to associate with them. People will probably notice that and ask your perspective as to why. And if they're curious, not to start drama, but because you've earned the respect of people at that point, just to be able to give generally trusted advice. And that's also how some of those toxic people get sorted out. It's just other people that are looked up to don't hang out with them. And not, I'm not saying I'm looked up to when not, but that's just my perspective on how it's worked so far. Yeah, we pretty much do that in the adult sections. I should say the grown-ups. We tend to to keep to that model, and because we have, because we still have like a lot of parties, and it seems like fewer and fewer people are invited to the party. And like some kids are like wondering, "Yay, are you guys going to throw any parties anywhere?" It's like, no, and you know, a we just smile not. and and keep on partying without them. But yeah, yeah. Well, and then what happens is they, they see that and then it's like the, there's clicks that form and sometimes there's walls that are built up to where it's like there's no way in. And there's some of these younger people that look up to and respect these older individuals, but they don't see a path to be able to to get within their group because there's nothing that there's there's no way to be able to get in. Yeah, and, that, um, and that's understandable, but the thing is, usually that wall is, you have to be 21 to drink. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really, that's a really good wall. <laughs> yeah. That's a great wall. There are theaters out here in Seattle that I've recently discovered that you have to be 21 to go to. No kids in a theater is great. Oh my God. What? That is awesome. Yep. We need a 21 plus theater here. Never oh wait, we do time. have one. It's Brewbies. Yeah, if we can like go back to that though, um, Tug, something that you had said earlier on your show that is a reoccurring theme, and I pointed this out in one of my previous episodes, was the concept of people, you know, mostly the younger kids, feeling that they have to come out to their family as furries. And, Don't come out as furry. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and me and my friend were, were like, like I'm going over this with my friend Ed and, and he said the perfect thing was like, okay, first off, Chris, you and me don't have to deal with this because well, number one, we're adults. And, and there's just that thing where just the kids, I don't know, the kids, I think confuse furry with, uh, with identity politics and they try to, you know, make furry into something like being gay or being trans or being black or being Jewish. You know, they try to put it on that level and. It's not. It's a cool thing to be furry. It's very, very cool to be furry. But being furry isn't the same as, you know, saying, oh, I'm black or I'm Jewish or I'm trans. You know, it's it's not it's not that. And I'm tired. Well, of I seeing, think. Yeah, I think you're actually um, talking you're you're talking a little bit about furries 
um, that are hobbyist versus furries that are lifestylists. There are furries that live, eat, and breathe being furry. Like, for example, there's me. What? Who are my friends? They're furries. Who are? Who's? Who's the individual that I'm? I'm with. He's a furry. I hold parties over my house. Usually, it's furry. I have events that I go to. That's usually furry events that I'm usually, you know, participating in. Um, at the same exact time, I could see how people could look at me and be like, you know, you're not a really well-rounded person. It's just I know what I like, and I know I love I love the furry fandom. So I would actually paint myself as a furry lifestyleist. Mm-hmm. And ha- so, hashtag Yif King. Yeah, the, the Yif King. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but but that's just my passion. So therefore, I feel like that furry is part of my identity. And so, therefore, you know, when I'm talking to people and they want to know stuff about my life, I tell them. But but the thing is, is I don't I don't feel like that I come out to them. I'm just basically it's it's like saying, well, what are you into? You like you like movies? I like I like dressing up in an animal costume and going to charity events. That's what I do. And you know what? A lot of people think that that's like the coolest thing. And the people that don't think that it's that, that it's cool. They don't talk to me. And you know what? I don't want to talk to them if that's the case. If they're not interested in in knowing that side of me or they're going to think that I'm some sort of perv or whatever, then they can think what they want. Yeah. And going back to what Tug says, I, I lead by – I try to lead by example. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot like the whole – we have uh, a lot of uh, Star Wars fan groups in here, and it's kind of the same thing for them where they live, eat, breathe. Star Wars. And it's not something that they have to apologize for, but sometimes with social pressure, sometimes we kind of feel like we have to, but even though we really don't, that's just like a, it's a psychological game that we do to ourselves. You know, it's kind of like that, that, and I think it goes with anxiety as well, where you're going into a party and you remember something embarrassing that you said eight years ago and it gets you and it makes clam up a bit. It's, it's that social anxiety like that, but most of the the divide, divisiveness, and click type stuff in here, I do think a lot of it has to do with age, even more so with uh, financial independence. Because the more the more independent as an individual you are, the less you have to apologize for anything or feel that you have to apologize for anything. Because I just noticed that too. You know, it's just the adults when you when you pay your own rent. When you do your own stuff, you know, you can be as yiff as you want to be. And it's, you know, it's no problem. That is, that's true. One of the greatest things about having moved out is I can walk around naked if I want and no one can say shit. And I, <laughs> I, I get though, I get it because, you know, there's, there's these younger furries that are coming into existence and they're dependent on other people. And you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you because, I mean, I assume that most of the population still likes a roof over their head. They like the internet. They got to have their porn, all this stuff. And so, you know, if you're, if you're under someone else's rules, you don't want to necessarily rock the boat. And so tying it back, yeah, you don't come out about being furry. It's just a thing. It's a thing you do. And while you can identify primarily through it, trust me, I'm there. You don't, it, it's still ultimately a choice unless you're Therian or other can. Um, it's still a choice and it's different than being gay or anything, even though you want to be viewed as this ideal version of yourself and you want people to see you as this version, that's just not reality. And it's kind of hard 
to to kind of put into context the way that we tried to do that i don't i wrote the most complex ad and had the hardest time casting it had so many people uh, but we did an ad where people were coming out about things you don't come out about like harry potter star wars or whatever and mm-hmm. like the parents freaking out and then they go i'm gay and then the, the parents like oh, okay yeah whatever um, which was <laughs> Which is really funny to put it put it on its ear, yeah. Because then you realize they, it was kind of our way of saying, "Look at this in perspective, really." Yeah, yeah. I I could just imagine that ad, like, "Mom, Dad, I'm a Ravenclaw. This is a Hufflepuff household. Get out of my house." <laughs> I should give you the audio for you to play this at some point during the show. But it's, <laughs> it's way it's really funny. Uh, I, I'm sure it is. Let's go ahead and talk about, let's get into the community when it comes to like, cause you guys discuss other topics as well. Like you talk to furry artists. You, you also discuss sexuality both in and outside of the fandoms. And by that, I mean, not just, you know, the, the kink stuff that happens in the chat rooms and stuff like that. The, the vor, the macro, the, the ultimate yif, the fantasy stuff, but also the reality people who are trans, people who are gay, asexual, all these different things, you know, that that a lot of these things that people deal with, you know, there are furries in the community who also deal with them as well. And you guys shed a light on that as well. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. It's it's an interesting thing for us to pick topics because Rue and I will try and we've been trying to plan out seasons forever. And sometimes we stick to our schedule and sometimes we don't. But I think a lot of my, at least when Rue and I are talking and I have to come up with topics, a lot of it is just like, there's more going on here than I know about. And I don't know anything about this. So why don't I learn a little bit just because I'm a curious slash creative type. And that's kind of my draw for it. I don't know where, Rue, where do you get your, your episode? No, I'm, I'm the same exact way. I mean, a lot of the times it's, it's more or less that I just want to learn more about, I don't know, TARS. Like, why is it that people like you know, have their personas on four feet and, and have hands. Like, what's the appeal to it? If there's something that I don't understand, that's why I want to do some of the episodes. And it, sometimes it also happens with our listeners. They may mention something in chat, maybe not understanding something, or it could be something within the local community that I end up seeing that inspires me to talk a little bit more about a particular subject. Yeah, I have a friend who just hates centaurs. I mean, she just, Why? well, she, she, her reasoning is like, like, do they have two pairs of lungs? Um, if they get pregnant, where, where does the baby get hold? You know, and, and it's just, it's, it's a biological thing because she's an artist. And of course, as artists, we study anatomy and stuff like that. So for her, it's sort of a, it's a hang up. It's an anatomy hang up for her. And it's, it's hilarious to listen to her go on the rants about it. But she's mostly talking about the, the fantasy centaurs, the mythical ones, because she does a lot of mythical artwork. So, you know, you bring up an interesting point, which is that it, when we started doing these episodes, it was, it, we, we pick them the same way we've always picked them, just curiosity and so forth. But what I've learned over time, and again, especially referencing just how the world has changed in the last year and a half, is that a lot of those fears or perceptions, whatever word you want to pick, those those pauses and hesitations, they they typically arise from people not knowing something. And not knowing something is because we haven't talked. Like, we may not always agree. We may not be into a specific scene in the fandom. We may not understand someone's political ideology. But if we just say, well, I don't like that, and we don't challenge ourselves to explore, to expand our own minds, and to have conversations with people that have opposite points of view, even if it's a little uncomfortable – 
we're never going to get past our own misgivings, our own societal problems and so forth. We have to talk. And that's part of why what we do, because we can go, I know nothing about TARS. And yeah, I, before that episode, I was a lot like your friend. I was like, TARS are weird. Like they're just weird. What do you, and I remember I met a TAR and I was like, what what's going on in this middle part like is there can i like poke it is there air in there <laughs> yes, and, i remember that <laughs> and i remember that because it was a little weird it is weird as a, as a bipedal person and with the with the perspective i live my life from to think okay i'm gonna have an ex like my butt's way back there like what's going on uh and so by the end of that episode though, i was like okay they have a reason i've i understand I, I don't personally relate to the reason but i understand that there's reasons there's they've thought this stuff through and they just want to live their lives the same way and by expanding my my view oh. a little bit i learned a lot we need to all do that a little more i think yeah that is good the missing art of having a conversation i think is something that in the climate that we're in right now no one's having conversations anymore. They're having shouting matches. They're having, uh, and they're coming not from, uh, from being open minded. They're coming from an echo chamber. They're coming from their echo chamber into a shouting match. And it's just, you know, I'm guilty of that myself. You know, it's, it's just a very ugly thing. So to see you guys in, in your show and to see you guys sort of confront that head on. I think it's a really good thing. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's what we strive for is we want to make sure that people's, people's viewpoints are, are heard. There's a lot of people that, for instance, just example, transgender, that they face things in their day to day life that I'm not going to understand unless I sit down with a transgender person and actually listen to what their points of view are. And I think that that's what happens is we just tend to just stay with what we know and stay with our opinions. And we don't take enough time to just take a step back and just listen to other people. So I appreciate you you pointing that out. And that's definitely what we try to do on our show is to listen to people and to help others understand about the world and uh, about the furry community. It, it, it's it's the, I think the difference you're hitting on there, Rue, is very important, which is the difference between, and this is a current theory I'm working on, so it might change, um, but sometimes I have shower thoughts, right? Mm. Um, the difference between political correctness and just being generally aware and respectful on a basic, not out of control level of somebody is knowing why and knowing their perspective. Like, And I get it. I get it because if, if you're sitting at, at work 40 hours a week, you come home, you pay your taxes, you do whatever. Unless, if you're in France, I think it's 32. I want that. Um, then by the time you come home and someone's saying, respect me in my safe space, of course you're going to go, really? I got to do this shit and that other shit? But when it's like your friend saying, hey, I'm having this really important mental struggle, I'm feeling suicidal, this and that and the other thing, then suddenly you can understand it more. And that's the difference between political correctness and just being generally cool to people. Um, it's it's that knowledge. And so we're hoping that we can fill in a lot of those gaps for people. We're not out to make you become a liberal or a conservative or whatever. We just want you to think. And that hopefully will lead to everybody challenging their thoughts and expanding their viewpoints and saying this isn't political correctness necessarily. This is just like this guy's got a he's he they statistically are gonna commit suicide more likely. Why don't mm-hmm. we give him a break? Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. And that's a very good point that you bring up and, and that's some good thought right there. And aside from that, another thing that you guys like to do that I definitely enjoy as well is you guys have fun. That's another point. You guys really have a lot of fun because sometimes you'll have shows that are nothing but fun. And one of the things that that I probably connect with you guys on is video games. 
Yay! <laughs> I, I love. I love rolling over in his grave. Yeah, I, <laughs> he's not even dead, but he's now rolling over in a grave. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't have you know a Nintendo. I stopped being a Nintendo guy at the Super Nintendo. You know, I never hopped onto the N64 or anything like that. But when it comes to PC games and like I'm addicted to Fallout 4, I'm an XCOM junkie. I love video games and the culture of video games so much. I may not be an online MMO type of guy, but, you know, I I get it and I have fun with it. And you guys have fun video game episodes. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, every year we have one video game episode. That's probably the, there's two topics that are always reoccurring. One is a fun one, which is video games and the fandom. And then the other one is gratitude. We do that every single year and, you know, we enjoy it. It's fun. (laughs) Speaking to a larger point too, the Rue and I have talked and people often have asked us, how long is the show going to go? But I mean, number one, I don't know if you were to ask a TV show producer, how long do you think you, how many seasons you're going to get in? Like, they don't know, you know, it's whatever the whims of the network are, but since we don't have a network, uh, we, we have basically said, we're going to do the show till it's not fun anymore. If it's not fun, then I'm not, I mean, I'm doing it. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to be a dick when I say this, but like I got into the show just to do something fun. Like the audience almost happened as happenstance. And I truly love our audience, and I appreciate them. Uh, ultimately, though, if I don't want to get up and do the show, it's going to reflect. Ruse had days where he's taking a show off. I've had days where I've taken a show off because if our heart isn't in it at that moment, it's not going to be quality entertainment. Whatever, Tugs. You're just doing it because you want to be popular. That's the, the truth, calls right? Fans. You're the one who calls <laughs> fans. Just saying. And you're bragging about how hard your Mario Maker levels are. Yeah. But, oh. But I do love a good video game. I mean, I'm going to go play video games today. Yeah. Uh, I love Binding of Isaac. I play it way too much. And and Tugs hates it. <laughs> no, I hate it because you would cancel stuff just to play Binding no. of Isaac. No, 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 no. I never cancel stuff just to play Binding of Isaac. Uh, is, that, is that the one with the, where you're playing an, uh, an aborted fetus or something? Uh, there uh, is an aborted fetus, yeah, but... <laughs> You're not an aborted fetus. You're, uh, you're like the the story is is that you're a a child named Isaac, and his mom has been basically told uh, God has came to her and told her that she needs to kill her son. So it's kind of like the story of Abraham and Isaac, hmm. and you as Isaac jump into the basement to try to get away from your mom. No, that's funny because I was actually going to get involved with the project with one of the developers of Binding of Isaac. It fell through, unfortunately. <laughs> that's one of my one of my uh, artistic hurrahs. It, sometimes I'll get into these projects with these uh, game developers, and then you know funding will fall through and stuff like that. And then that's just the luck. So when I heard that, I had to I had to push because that sounded familiar. <laughs> well, too bad, too bad. You could you could be making lots of money. <laughs> yeah how about let's go ahead and take a break and then we come back we'll finish up with paranormal stuff because when i started this show i started it as a sort of a paranormal furry show and that's sort of a niche within a niche but let's go ahead and just take a breather for right now and then we'll come back and you guys have some paranormal stories for me all, all right awesome choo 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 and welcome back from the break it was like five seconds, but for us, it was like in uh, a millennia of, of just going back and forth. Anyway, and now we are in for a special treat. We are going to get into the paranormal stuff. We're going to talk paranormal stuff with with our guests, and guess what I got? 
Uh, we're going to pop open a beer because I've been drinking water all day. And if we're going to discuss, you know, my, my chew and tried trade, we were discussing uh, off air about paranormal stuff. And when I started the, the show, I wanted it to be a furry show, but I wanted it to, to be also a paranormal show because I love paranormal podcasting. Tugs, I think you were a huge fan of Coast to Coast growing up like I was. I used to fall asleep to it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Rue? Do you ever like listen to any paranormal podcasting or? You know, I haven't, but I have, I've watched paranormal shows. I'm all about like reality TV type stuff. And oh. um, I know, you know, and I also love Insidious. So they kind of are paranormal investigators. <laughs> Killing the smalls. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, do you play those survival horror games like Resident Evil and stuff like that? Um, you know, I have um, played Outlast, but overall, um, horror games, I, I have to definitely have somebody there with me. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Creepy squeaks and stuff? What is this? Well, we are talking about paranormal activity. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is rich. This is rich. But yeah, yeah, I guess growing up on the old Art Bell and George Nori and, and stuff like that. And one of the things is I have like very few paranormal events of my own, you know, because I, I detailed them in the in the first episode. And it's like, uh, like barely anything happens to me. It's like, I, I guess, I guess I kind of like use my skepticism as kind of like a shield to protect me from the monsters. Like, you know, the aliens of the Bigfoots, they're not going to come get me if I just don't believe in them. And I tell them, you know, like, if you're going to get me, you better give me evidence you exist first. And then, you know, then they back off. But have you guys ever experienced not just listening to podcasts, but, you know, in your own, in your own going back, back and forth, have you ever gone ghost hunting? Have you ever had a strange synchronicity? Have you ever seen a UFO? Has anything like that ever happened to either of you? You go first. I oh, I go first? I've got way too many stories. <laughs> well, I have so many stories, too. I mean, first of all, I was an LDS missionary. I went over to Australia for two years. And one of the things that missionaries do is, as you, most of your listeners probably already know, is they knock on people's doors. Um, they call that tracting. And, and you sing evening, and dance, too, right? What's that? Do you sing and dance, too? I, I don't get it. What's the joke? <laughs> the, the Book of Mormon, the, the singing and the dancing and the... Oh, oh, hello. oh, okay, My yeah. My name is Elder Fox. Yes, <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut that. That was a that was a oh. crappy joke. Uh, th th no, I that was a <laughs> joke. I love that joke. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I ended up. Um, we were we were tracting, and I was a fairly new missionary. Missionaries that are new are called greenies, and so I was a I was a green missionary, and I went out tracting with another elder. And um, we were knocking on doors. It was getting a little bit late, but uh, we had a dinner appointment with a member in which we were going to go over to their house and, you know, just have dinner with them. But um, we decided to knock on a few of their neighbor's doors. And it was getting darker, and uh, we, we knocked on a few. We, we, we did reach this one house, um, and we decided, well, let's just do one more. We went up to the house, and all of a sudden, we just had this really terrible feeling, just this really, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it was almost just this dark feeling as we were approaching the, the house itself. And I was 
I mean, basically, we both looked at each other and we were like, we we didn't want to go, but you know, it was the last street on the house. You know, we had to finish the block, right? Yeah, the last one on so, the left. Exactly. So we ended up walking, continuing up there, and I knocked on the door, and um, in the background, I ended up seeing this red light that that came on from the back, and um, these noises of this. Um, it, it it sounded like a walker um, screeching closer and closer to the door. This individual opened up the door, and it was this old lady, but her eyes were not were not natural at all. In fact, they were pure black. Mm. And um, you know, I looked at my companion, and he had you know he had already left. He ran off of the, <laughs> the steps. I'm like, you know, I just. In this low growl, this lady is communicated with us and, well, with me, because I was the only one that was left there. What do you want? What are you doing? And, um, you know, I was like, oh, well, you know what, ma'am? You have a wonderful day. And I just, I just had this terrible feeling that I had to get out of there. Um, and I, and I just left. And, but the, the creepy thing is, is I t- turned around. And in every single one of the windows, there was a black figure looking down on us. Hmm. And I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened. But that is um, that is what happened to me. My other story that I have. Yeah, wait, wait, is... wait, wait. I, I got Go di- to dissect this one because that just sent chills down my spine. That is like the first account I've heard of a black eyed elder. Because we've heard accounts that you've heard of the accounts of the black eyed kids, right? I have not. Yeah, yeah. There are these accounts. This, there's this paranormal phenomenon right now going around called the black eyed kids. They're kids. They knock on your door and they have black eyes. Now, the the eyes were they like like could you like see reflections in them or were they just dark voids? It was dark voids. Okay, that that sounds characteristic. They're these kids, they have these voids for eyes and they knock on your door and they're like, let us in, let us in. And you're not supposed to let them in because, you know, bad things happen. And it's sort of like, and they've even had, you know, black eyed adults, but I've never heard of a black eyed old lady. And this is actually a reverse of the phenomenon where you were the one knocking on their door instead of them knocking on on your door, because that's, it's a thing where they come to you type of phenomenon. And this one, you actually went to them. And that is just so surreal. That is probably one of the most unique stories that I've heard, you know, that I can shelve into that phenomena. As for all we know, it could totally have been something else. But that... it, it could have been multiple things. But yeah. but seriously, it was just, you know, to look back and there was a figure in every single window. Like it's it's something that I reach out to the elder once in a while and and we talk about it. And it's just, you know, nobody, it, it's, it's something that you had to be there to be able to really understand. And I can see how a lot of, a lot of people that have had things that have happened to them, how it's hard for, hard for other people to believe them um, until it actually, until something actually happens to you. Hmm. Yeah, that was a, that was a good story. So my other story actually is that. Hang on, hang on, um, hang on. Tugs, do you have one? Or do you want to let Ruth go ahead? we got to take it, turns, it, it Ruth. Segues, Gosh, why are you going to be so selfish? <laughs> it segues into your stories. Because um, I, 
um, ended up, Tugs used to live in Salt Lake. And so the Hmm. podcast, we would do podcast episodes. I would come up and I would spend the night over at his house. And choosing my story for me. I see what you're doing. Oh, oh, well, yes, I am choosing your story. One of the nights that I stayed there, I was woken up by this little girl. God damn it. Why are you bringing that one up? Was standing over my bed. In the in the in the checkered dress, right? In the checkered dress. Yeah. So tell me about this little girl, Tugs. Well, just just before you uh, you get the the good deal right here, the deets. Uh, you had your choice previously of UFO story, number station story, or this. So or the fog story. So so I guess you're getting the the checkered dress. Um, <laughs> So when I lived in Salt Lake, I lived, so I've lived in various places and the last place I ended up living, the house was over a hundred years old by the time I moved in. And I had found out that people, there had been a few, a few deaths in the house just because hmm. it's old. Yeah. That, that's totally natural. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting that it was kind of like this, it was, it was, wasn't linked to the previous chain of events that were kind of paranormal, but it just, it was just like, come on, I want to break. But I remember when I moved in at first, I was outside, and we had put in a porch light, and I was on the front porch trying to figure out why the hell it wouldn't turn on, you know, fiddling with the switch or whatever. I remember I was, it was dark, and I was looking off to the left where, uh, towards the driveway, it was probably five feet, and there was a girl that was wearing, almost like Judy Garland's dress from uh, Wizard of Oz, Mm -hmm. but shorter, and she was looking at me, and I looked at her, and she she ran around the corner of the house and I was like, what the fuck? And, um, <laughs> it was really weird because I had a friend, um, who was a monk. Um, I can't remember which religion staying at my, in my basement. We had a basement in the top. Floor. You had a monk in your basement. I, yeah. Don't, doesn't everyone, <laughs> you know, do you know how many, no, pe- it's a friend of, it's do a you friend know how many people a- in the paranormal community would kill to have a monk in their basement? <laughs> well, I have to say, I, I was kind of lucky because we we were we would get along fine. Like this is one of those entities that like didn't seem to have any malice, but was more of a, a prankster. But it's just annoying, you know, because it's un- it's unnerving when you're doing something and then like shit happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, my my friend who was a monk was in the basement, and I was doing something, you know, a few weeks later, and he's like, "Come down here," and I was like, "What?" He goes, I've just been frozen in place for like 30 minutes. This this entity of some kind, I don't think it was a visual manifestation, held me in place and wouldn't let me move. And so I, he ended up doing some rituals with some rice, um, ended up putting runes up. And, and the thing about it that's interesting to know is, so I lived overseas at one point. And in Turkey, they have the concept of an evil eye, which is a talisman you hang that can look at the entry points to your house doors specifically mm-hmm. and that the girl um as it turns out would not go by the doors where the where the evil eye was it was just kind of interesting so i think there was actually two entities in the house and one of them was not a nice one hmm. and so this we had this talisman up and then um james at one point was like have you seen a girl in a checkered dress in the downstairs hallway or something and i'm like what i mean some of these details are a little fuzzy because it's been a while and I was like, this, okay, so it's not just me, and it's not just my friend. It's like we've got we've got things going on. At some point, um, we, we ended up doing like the sage cleansing and stuff. And the internal malicious prankster, maybe the girl, maybe not the girl, 
left, was kicked out, and would tried to get back in because you know things would happen where like the evil eye would be moved just a little bit, like because it's supposed to be hanging, and so there's nothing that should be touching it. It's almost it's way up high, and yeah. But then uh, Rue saw her, and I was like, okay, this is nuts. And then one day, I remember the washing machine moved to the other side of the washroom, hmm. and. And I was like, what the hell? I just went to the grocery store. <laughs> and, like, the door was open on it. Like, this was not like, ooh, it just walked a bit. No, like, it moved. Mm. And you, you weren't, you weren't, you didn't have like a, you didn't have like an uneven load in there or anything? No. No? It's a small load. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Weird. Zing. Small load. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, it, well, and it happened to my husband, too. Hmm. Like a few weeks later, he's like, what? Did you mess with the washer? I'm like, I've been gone all day. How many people were in the house at this time? Um, we've had four people, typically. The The fourth would rotate a little bit. Hmm. It, was, it was just weird. Like, things would move. Uh, you'd hear steps. I think James heard a giggle once, but that was that was it. Other than that, though, like, the checkered dress girl typically was outside of the house. Occasionally, somehow... People would claim to see her inside, but I don't think she got in a whole lot if she got in at all. Hmm. Uh, really weird, though, but you'd always feel like you're being watched. And then we had Arlo cameras on our house, wireless cameras that would record nothing sometimes. Hmm. Um, they were motion-based. Okay. Was like, weird, weird stuff. That's one of my stories. Like I said, I've got tons. Hmm. Rue, you got anything else to follow that up? I uh, just that I saw the, the girl, and, and I, I don't know... I, I would say that it was a girl in a like a plaid type dress. Yeah, blue. Yeah, but um, I mean, basically, when I saw her, I just it, it only took a second. You know, I saw her, I I blinked, and she was gone. Oh, like, okay, was, all right. So she was like nothing. You didn't experience any pressure on your chest. You weren't held down or anything. You just no, no, but um. As a missionary, I I have had a lot of mission companions that have had some sort of situation where um, they have been basically attacked by um, a, a spirit that was out to um, remove them from this world and um, have had story, but it's not a first-hand account. It's mm. a second-hand account of a of a mission companion that I had that was very fearful of being alone in any of the rooms within the, within the house by himself. And um, he said that one night when he was sleeping alone, or not sleeping alone, but sleeping, I think his companion was like out in the other room. So yes, he was sleeping alone. He ended up feeling somebody, like he saw this dark figure um, that didn't really have like a form itself. Mm -hmm. And he felt that heavy pressure on his chest. It ended up grabbing his ankle and pulling him off the bed itself. Hmm. So I guess this must have been like a shadow person or something of that nature. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's, that's all that I really have as far as some of my, some of my paranormal stories. Do, Do they teach spiritual defense in, in your church? They do. Hmm, that that's something because I well I I'm not a Mormon myself. I mean I I lived in Amarillo for a few years and that was a tons of Mormons, 
and all the Mormons, you know, when I was, you know, making fun of them and throwing tomatoes at them and stuff, you know, I'd hear like a lot. <laughs> I hear lots of stories about about spiritual encounters and of the Mormons that I knew. They were very open to the paranormal. So I just, I had to prod and ask if if you guys actually have some kind of spiritual training like that. And that is really, really fascinating. Um, They basically train uh, the elders to raise their raise their hand to the square. You raise your hand up and with with your hand um, to the um, to an angle and, um, and, and then they do have, um, a saying that goes along. I, w- I won't actually say the saying yeah, yeah, I'm here out of respect, but yeah, I imagine it's like um, a, a prayer or something. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I hear for many people in dealing with demonic entities, I hear often the prayer of St. Michael is often invoked to help deal with direct conflicts of, um, of whatever spiritual conflict they're that they are in immediately that that is often used and if you guys have something similar to that that works for you then that actually that sounds really cool tugs you said you had some more stories was it a fog story a ufo story and a and what the else number station story. oh tell me the number stations i love oh, number man. stations i listened to um i listened to the the what is it the Welcome to Night Vale every now and then. And they had a number station on there. Uh, and it was, oh, really? Yeah, it was such a sad story because the number station had gained sentience. Oh, no. And it, like, wanted to, you know, it, it wanted to do more than just tell numbers. And, like, Cecil was going to free the number station. And and by the time he went up there, he like he like, wait a minute, this is a box. It's, it's gained sentience. And then, <laughs> you know, sadly, at the end of the episode, it got reset. But every now and then you can hear the numbers and it'll like chime in like something that it wants to, to, to show that it hasn't been defeated. And it was such a huh. cute story. You you have to seek that out and, and listen to it. It's really hard for me to, to listen to number stations, even recordings now. Um, <laughs> so when I, so many, many eons ago around, around the turn of the century, uh, I lived overseas. I lived in the Middle East. And it's really interesting to be there because you can see a lot of stuff that's on the news here that is manifest and physical there in a way, right? Mm-hmm. So for Ruth's sake, I'm, the number stations are, are these spy stations more or less. Think theoretically spy stations where voices read numbers out at odd frequencies at odd times a day, repeat them, and then disappear. And usually there's some kind of music that's kind of like the calling card. So um, I was just screwing around on the internet, as one does. And I heard about these things. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And my dad had always been into shortwave radio. And so I borrowed his shortwave and I would visit my friend on the weekends in town. I lived in the suburb. And um, I was like, hey, check this out. And so we started listening. And we heard, we heard like Mossad. We heard the U.S. one. Uh, but the one that, that really kind of stuck out was um, one of the U.K. ones that's no longer around called Lincolnshire Poacher. Hmm. And uh, it's one of the more famous ones because it, ha- it plays a song, a child's tune called Lincolnshire Poacher. But the thing about it is, uh, number one, on a shortwave, when it's coming through and sometimes you have to use single sideband mode or whatever, it's so heavily modulated. It's very robotic sounding. It's creepy. And then there's just this British woman's voice saying 71618 over and over. Hmm. And, and we, so we did this for a couple of weeks, just kind of like, oh, that's weird. It's cool. Uh, but then we, then, um, there was a competition available at the time where if you could crack the code of one of the stations, uh, you would get some, just, I can't remember how much money, but there was money. Uh, and so my friend and I started 
to try and crack it, you know, knowing that like, you know, E and S are the most used letters in the English language, I think. Um, stuff like that, trying to find patterns and whatnot. And we had, we started building up stacks of papers, uh, you know, just, and we were, we were middle teenage years. So we, we could, we could do it pretty well. And he lived in this uh, tall apartment building. And then adjacent to his building uh, was a shorter apartment building. And uh, after we did this for a couple weeks, and now I'm not saying that this is all connected, it's, but it's very coincidental, if not, hmm. uh, is that um, his apartment got broken into. It was just really strange because he had his own phone line. And we talked on the phone when I wasn't in town. They didn't do anything to his apartment. They didn't take anything, nothing. But we noticed afterward that there was a lot of clicking on his phone line, like just clicks. Hmm. And, <laughs> and we were like, are you bugged? Because the only thing that had been messed with was the telco panel in his apartment. And it was just really strange. Um, so we started uh, clipping our conversations and not really talking about the numbers thing. But the clicking kept going, and uh, we kept trying to decode the stuff. And this is over the course of a couple months. And then we noticed that like this van was parking in front of his apartment building. <laughs> and we're like, what the hell? Again, I don't know. It could be coincidental. But what's weird is then, so this adjacent building... There was suddenly things started happening on the roof there. Like there was a tripod. Uh, we couldn't tell very clearly because I'd always go over and it was dusk to nighttime. And we couldn't tell what was on it, be it, uh, we don't know if it was a sniper thing, just a, a telephoto lens telescope type thing. Uh, but it was always pointed at his room. Hmm. And it, really strange. And so eventually we got freaked out. And we, we both happened to be uh, U.S. citizens. So we called the embassy and said, look, this is weird. Please fix. And suddenly, <laughs> like we, the next day, we were doing it, and the scope was gone, the van was gone, the <coughs> line stopped clicking. Like all of this stuff stopped happening. Really weird. But we, at that point, had decided that we were not going to try and crack the code, and we threw all our notes away. Uh. Um, really super weird. Um, and as a as a side story to my side story, um, the American number station we did listen to occasionally. When they were doing all those transfers to uh, Gitmo, that station was going crazy. Oh. And I happened to run into the guy, one of the generals in charge of the coordination effort, who was based out of where we were. And I, I asked him flatly, I was like, so is that why the number station's going crazy? And he just kind of shut down the conversation and left. So hmm. it was a fun side story. That's interesting. But yeah. Yeah. I get heebie-jeebies listening to the Lincolnshire Poacher recordings that are still out there on the net. Oh, I imagine after an experience like that. Yeah. Wow. So. That is rich. That is rich. I think you said you also had two other stories, something with fog and and uh, there, Yeah, the UFO one is short. The UFO one. Okay. Yeah, um, let's I've, get that. I've seen two UFOs. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. What? <laughs> okay, I got to crack another beer for UFOs. Andrew, are you dead yet? Are you no, dead? I'm still here. I'm listening. <laughs> okay, the UFO. The, the black-eyed short. lady got him. <laughs> <laughs> So in Utah, there's the Dugway Proving Grounds, which are out in the West Desert. Uh -huh. uh, it's a huge, I mean, if you look at a map, it's, it's hundreds of square miles. It's massive. I, I, I suspect they're doing, because it's really adjacent to Area 51's airspace. Uh -huh. um, I suspect that they're doing um, tests of aircrafts or whatever. Yeah, but I remember yeah they I was, always I was are. Driving, yeah. I was driving home one night, and I happened to look up, and there was slow, it looked like a helicopter. Um, but it was not hovering traditionally. It was kind of bobbing up and down just a little bit. 
and I was and I was kind of keeping an eye on it while trying not to crash because it was on the freeway. Suddenly it turned. It turned in this very unnatural way where it was just like a straight 90 degree pivot, not like where you can see the helicopter tail move. And it's certainly not an airplane. Um, and then it took off in the direction of Dugway, but it left a trail of fire behind it. Hmm. And I was like, that's weird. And then there were reports of UFOs uh, in the paper, like a couple days later. Um, and so, then, so you saw a helicopter, like just make a 90 degree turn and then leave a trail of fire. Well, I don't think it was a helicopter because you couldn't see the tail defined. Like, you know how you see the tail with the rear rudder uh-huh. or a propeller on it? Yeah, that wasn't there. Okay, so it, it was something. It like, was like a point of light yeah. with some kind of a, you know, there's only so much reflection. Yeah. Really weird. And then I saw the same phenomenon like a year later in about the same area. And I was like, what the hell? And uh, my husband saw that one with me. Wow. And so, yeah, that was, it was weird. That's just, that's a much less cool story than the other ones, but it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that is that is something weird. I I don't think I've heard that kind of thing before, but it's definitely intriguing. Tell us about the fog. Yeah, the fog. <laughs> so the fog story is kind of the prequel to the checkered dress girl story in a way. So right when I first moved out, I moved downtown, and there were apartments in this Happenden Mall called The Gateway. Uh, I was curious about what had been there before. It was just a big rail depot, and there was never like a cemetery or anything. But uh, being the young 18-year-olds we were, we didn't have lots of money, and we needed furniture. So we went over to the the DI, which is the equivalent of Goodwill outside of Utah, and mm-hmm. picked up some old chairs, you know, just stuff to sit on, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah just stuff to yeah. just to live. Yeah. Yeah, and eventually we we ended up getting rid of the chairs because uh, all of them but one because they were yeah, they were old they wore out whatever. But this one would, was like sturdy, and it was sitting uh, in the by this vent. And I remember I was I was standing in the vent day and I could hear whispers coming out of it. And I was like, what the fuck? Hmm. I thought it was maybe the AC, um, whatnot. And so I moved the chair, and then suddenly the noise was gone because it was in the way for something. And I was like, that's weird. So the chair wound up being in the master bedroom, which was my room. And then the vent in my master bathroom started making whispery noises. And I was just like, this is weird. But one night, my husband and I were in bed. And, um, you know, we were we were cuddling and snuggly and in our, in, you know, probably going down the road to, to get yeah, it yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, going to Yift Town. Yeah, we're going to Yift Town. We were getting there. <laughs> and the room, um, suddenly there was like this wave of fog that rolled across the floor of my room, like a fog machine. And I looked at him and was like, did you get a fucking fog machine and not tell me trying to be funny? And he's like, and he's like no, no, I did not. And the, and the fog started to fill up the room. So we, we were asleep. We were nude. So we were like scrambling in this fog to put clothes on, grabbing my phone. And like, I call my friend. Who, were you thinking that it was a fire? We don't know because it didn't smell like a fire. We're just like, what the fuck? Because there have been hmm. these whispers and stuff, you know, weird, yeah, yeah. weird. Yeah, and, you, and we could feel an energy at times, a, a presence. It was weird. And we ended up joking that, like, Samora was in our house because the ring had just come out. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah um, I... Which is kind of funny. That's why it's the prequel to the checkered dress story <laughs> girls or somehow this thing. Uh, anyway, and so we ran out into the hallway, and I okay. called my friend uh, T, who's been on our show before, because mm-hmm. um, he's always been a um, He's, he and I have talked. He's a good friend, but he's like, you know, I, I feel energy too. You know, I, I can feel people's energy. Okay, so stuff like he's that. sensitive. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And 
and and he was uh, nearby, and I was like, I need you to come over right damn now and make sure that James and I are not insane. So he came over. Uh, the fog had dissipated, but he put a a bell on a string, uh, and then he was carrying it on a hook. Right. What's interesting is he walked around the room, and it was fine. But right near the bed, the bell would swing up and stay to the left at a ninety degree angle. Like gravity was not in effect at that little spot. It was really weird because the bell was like pulling in that direction. And he ended up, um, I think it was sage or lavender. He ended up doing a little ritual to try and and dispel the apartment. Okay. So I think he was, uh, he was dowsing or something of that. Yes. Thank you. It seemed to work until we moved and we forgot all about the stupid chair. And then we moved the stupid chair to our next place. And all this shit started happening again, minus the fog, whispers and shit. So finally, I was like, we got to get rid of this fucking chair. <laughs> and we did, and everything stopped, which yeah. is just weird. Like, we, So now we're really careful. Like, I think it spooked us because we don't buy secondhand objects as much because you never know what's attached to them. Yeah, I've, um, heard, of, I've heard of furniture having attachments. Um, you've heard of the story of the exorcist, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, well that was based on a, on a real boy, and the wing... The hospital wing on which he was exercised on, which he spent time in, all of the furniture from that wing is locked away. The church locked it away, and they kind of feel that that whatever presence was in that child has could have dissipated into the furniture. So they not even the furniture from that event is you you can't get it because they've locked it up behind a. They've like locked it up into uh, like a, in an abandoned floor in a hospital or something like that, and it's just yeah. I mean that that stuff happens. But as yeah. far as destroying it, I I don't know if they would do that because that's that's sort of like a, you know, if if like well, what'll happen? Does it escalate or? Yeah, I, oh, I really well, can't speak to that. Another vessel type thing. Oh. Uh, sorry, guys. So much beer. <laughs> yeah. But by the way, I'm going through uh, 16 ounce Bud Ices because they don't make King Cobra anymore. Cobra! Ah, lovely beer. I'm not a beer fan. <laughs> I've never been a beer fan. I've tried. I've tried so much, but I just end up throwing up yeah, every single either. time. Yeah, me neither. I, I, I prefer whiskey, but it's Sunday, so the... The whiskey place is closed. Okay, uh, so Rue, you were gonna, you had like another story. No, actually, I, I, that's basically all the things that have, you know, happened to me as far as. Oh well, okay, okay, I, I, I have. Okay, this. here we go. Here we go. Let's get go. another one. Here's this story. So again, this is something that happened out on my mission, and one of the things that um, that missionaries um, firmly believe in is that the spirit. Uh, there's a spirit that the Holy Spirit is there to help and, and guide missionaries to, you know, either who they need to teach or, you know, help them to stay out of danger, different things like that. Uh-huh. And, you know, every time that you leave the house, missionaries will get down on their knees and they will actually pray for, you know, guidance for, for the spirit to, to protect them or to help them to be able to find the people that are looking for the gospel or looking for for something more in their life, different things like that. One day I was driving the mission vehicle and I thought you guys rode bikes. I thought you guys um, took bicycles everywhere. So some missionaries are able to have cars (laughs) um, and some, 
you know, have bikes. It just depends on the area and the need. So public transportation is good. Okay, so and, you you got um, lucky. Okay. Yeah, so I was able to get a car, and I was pulling out of, and I backed out, and I was going towards the, I was going towards the the road, and I looked both ways, and it was completely clear, and I just started, I just proceeded, yeah, continued to go, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I had, I heard this voice, scream on the top of, top of, I just heard this voice, yeah, that was screaming stop, and I don't know. Where it came from, like, I looked at the, my companion, and the voice wasn't coming from him. Yeah. Like, and I slammed down on the brakes. A car just goes zooming past. Huh. And I know that whatever whatever it was protected us at hmm. that particular time. Yeah, so, so you were being yeah. looked out for, yeah. So there you go. Hmm. Yeah, it's like, we, we got to make sure Rue gets to that creepy house on the left. <laughs> So that I could see the the old woman woman and her um, children void. of demon shadow people. Yeah, little Miss Void for <laughs> eyes. <laughs> so that I can survive, so that I can be laying in Tugs's bed, so I can experience a girl in a plaid dress waking yeah, me up. Yeah, little Miss Checker dress. <laughs> oh. <laughs> those those were some great stories. Yeah, because I kind of when I when I started my podcast. Because if I can bring, you know, furries in and in my local regional community, I'm always posting my shows to, to the furry communities and say, hey, if you guys have any counters, you know, come, come talk to me. And I'm talking to a couple guys who do ghost hunting. We're going to probably do another show later and talk about some of the local legends. But as far as when, when I started this show, I did it as furry show. It's also a paranormal show and I call it a three pronged attack. Where it's got, you know, furry, paranormal, uh, and entertainment. And I kind of know that I'm, I know I'm digging myself in a niche within a niche within a niche because there are furry shows, like we were describing earlier about there are furry shows and they run at things a certain way and there are paranormal shows and they kind of have their way of doing things as well. I love having you guys coming on and sharing these stories with me is so great. I, I just, oh, I love them. That old lady story. This is the kind of stuff I live for is these, these spooky stories from people who have experienced them. I guess thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you so much for sharing this with me. And thanks for letting me interview you guys and talk to you guys about the community and even get in a few spooky stories as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for extending the invite. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, in conclusion, Tugs, do you have any parting words for the audience? Go to forwhatitsworth.com. Comment on the show site. That's what we always tell people. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how we're going to end it? Are we going to end it in for what it's worth fashion? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, housekeeping. For what it's worth housekeeping. housekeeping. <laughs> well, make sure that you comment on uh, the site. Um, you know, definitely retweet this episode. Comment. Talk about it. Talk about the show amongst your friends. <laughs> You're insane. I love it. Uh, uh, no, just uh, thanks for having us on. It's, yeah. it's fun to talk about paranormal stuff. I'm sure that um, the crossover between uh, you know our audience and your audience, I'm sure someone will be like, oh, Tugs is insane now. Well, too <laughs> bad. You knew that anyway. I mean, this was a lot of fun for me because you guys were one of the driving forces, 
God, that's alcohol kicking in. You guys were one of the driving forces that definitely pushed me over the edge because I would go on to the site and I would, I think uh, some of my fan art from uh, one of the earlier shows is still on the site. Yes, it is. You know, I had a lot of fun doing this and thank you guys. You know, if I hadn't said enough times already, thank you so much for taking the time to come in and, and share this with me, especially to share the paranormal stuff with me because that was just a cherry on top. Cause I thought I just, you know, just have a regular boring interview with you guys. And then, you know, you guys come in with this paranormal stuff, which I totally dig. And it was just, I got. I got a lot more than what I bargained for in this episode. Five cents, <laughs> uh, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so definitely, definitely um, go to for what it's worth. That's for what it's worth dot com. Is it dot com or dot net? Dot com. And it's F U R, not F O R. Yeah, F U F U R. Yeah, for what it's worth. And follow these guys on their social media Google Plus, Twitter, Facebook. There's so many social networks yeah, out there. So. Yeah. It's hard to do them all. Those are the ones we've chosen. <laughs> I'm going to make sure to post you, your website in the show notes, and and we'll talk to you guys later. All right? See ya. All right. Thanks for having us. To email the show, write to conspireatheory, all one word, conspireatheory at outlook.com. Music provided by Killer. Find her at soundcloud.com backslash Kira Kura. If you want to find me around the internet and maybe commission me for some artwork, a few good places to find me would be at DeviantArt. You can find me there at chrisholm.deviantart.com. That's chris, C-H-R-I-S-H-O-L-M dot deviantart.com. I can also be found on Tumblr at psychris.tumblr.com. That's P-S-Y dash C-H-R-I-S dot tumblr t-u-m-b-l-r dot com i could also be found on fur affinity you could find me on furaffinity.net slash user slash cycris p-s-y-c-h-r-i-s backslash if you'd like to connect with me on facebook i'm available at facebook backslash chris home comics you could also find me on twitter at psycho chris be sure to find me check out some of my art and if you'd like, tell me some of your stories.